At Farmers Insurance, we know the sound of a perfect hot air balloon landing. And a less than perfect one. Seen it, covered it. Click for more. We are farmers. Bum, 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 bum. Underwritten by Farmers Truck Fire Insurance Exchanges and Affiliates. Products not available in every state. The following is a Podcast One Minnesota production. Oh, yeah? Yeah. Oh, you betcha, yeah. If it's made in Minnesota, who's making it and how? Yeah, you got that right. It's the makers of Minnesota, focusing on the products and services uniquely made in Minnesota, and conversations with the makers, entrepreneurs, and innovators in Minnesota about how they conceived of their products and how they brought them to market. With Stephanie Hansen, it's the makers of Minnesota. Hi, this is Stephanie Hansen, and we are recording the Makers of Minnesota podcast, and we are on episode number 73. Thank you very much for listening. I got some great feedback this week from some people that just said it's really fun to hear about all these cool people in Minnesota, these entrepreneurs, people making interesting and neat things, and thanks for bringing us their stories. I was saying, you know, you sit in a podcast studio, it's about the size of a closet, And it's sort of you're alone. You don't get a lot of feedback. So I was really appreciative for this person that reached out to me today. Um, You can always email me, shansen, H-A-N-S-E-N, at hbi.com. You can find us on Twitter, at Makers of Minnesota, on Instagram, and also on Facebook. And I'm really excited today. I'm here with Mark Bergman, and he is, like many of the people that we talk to, a serial entrepreneur. He's with Handy Paint Products. And you're right up there in my top 10, my friend, of like most successful. So how does that feel? Uh, Questionable. (laughs) (laughs) Um, If we were just measuring it on overall sales, you've sold over 20 million pieces of uh, handy paint pails, handy paint products. You've expanded your line. So you have a number of different products now. But what really impressed me, outside of that you just seem like you're a great guy, is you actually brought me the original prototype, the Folgers can, with the duct tape of the original paint can that helped you launch Handy Paint Products. Tell me about, you know, re- tell me about the story about how this got started. Well, it's kind of interesting, and, and we we fell into it in a, in a number of ways, but the reason I was painting in the first place was we were in the process of adopting our fourth child, so we were redoing the basement and had to paint everything. Okay. So in a weird, awkward way, um, we owe a lot of this to little Isabel. Okay, little so, Isabel. <laughs> little Isabel, who's now going to be 21. <laughs> but um, I, like a lot of people, uh, use something other than the gallon can or the paint to cut in before you roll. Right. So, I typically used a coffee can. I don't know why. That's just what I always had. And we were doing so much painting that my hand got tired hanging out of the can. There was some duct tape sitting there. So I grabbed it, made kind of a strap like the old video cameras, the old big video cameras. That yeah. You slide your, your hand, hand up in. in it. Yep. So you're not really gripping anything. You're just sliding your hand through and um, put that together, used it for another week. My My son used it. My wife used it. And um, all of us thought this could this could be something. This is really a, a handy tool for painting. Mm-hmm. And to to set the scene at this point, you had already taken two products to market. You had a, an airline sh- or an airplane shaped spoon for feeding kids, and you had a um, fastener that connected tennis shoes together. 
so those products, when you had made those, had you made any money on those or? Yeah. Um, friend and I started the first company in 1986. And what were you doing before that? Financial planning for IDS. Ah, okay. Yeah. Graduated from Gustavus. Augusti. And, uh, Augusti and um, started at IDS uh, after a few years in Aspen and um, did financial planning. And it was it was fine, but deep down I always knew I wanted to really do something on my own. Yep. And thinking about entrepreneurs and, and others, and it wasn't so much that I wanted to Build something great or make a ton of money, although money's money's good. Yep. Um, but I never really liked working for people, and um, always knew that I, I was just better on my own. You knew that even in the beginning. Knew that in the beginning. In fact, last night at dinner, I was sitting with uh, the two youngest kids, and I just told them about when I was twelve, living in Minnesota, grew up in Wyzetta. Twelve, I had a paper out for about four years. Morning paper out. So Monday through Saturday, rain or shine, 20 below, 40 below, it didn't matter. Yep. Paper had to be delivered. And my youngest was just absolutely amazed, thinking, you mean your mom and dad let you go out of the house at 6 in the morning in the dark and deliver papers at 30 below? I said, Of course they did, kids. It's a different world. Yeah, it really is. um, so from from that, and I was telling them, I said, at that age, even at 12, I needed to go get a bank account and a checking account because in those days you had to pay for the papers mm-hmm. and then go door to door and collect the money that your customers owed you. Yep. So um, it's just a different world in a very short period of time. What a great experience, though. I didn't sell newspapers, but I worked in newspapers for a long time. And those kind of jobs... Yeah. That we don't see a lot of in terms of availability for kids anymore. Yep. That's really formative for learning how to run a business, right? Absolutely. So your first uh, invention was the air, airplane-shaped spoon for feeding kids. You created that. It's cute. You made the prototype. You sold it. How much money did you make off that first item? That, you know, I don't even have the all the numbers on that. Uh, my My good buddy... Dan Harris and I quit our jobs at IDS to do this. Yep. And he was kind of a successful insurance guy. His parents thought he was nuts. <laughs> his, his new in-laws really thought he was nuts. Sure. But um, to start that company, we just um, pooled together whatever money we had, mm-hmm. which was about 10000 bucks. Yep. And um, although we sold a lot of food flyers, they were Wholesale cost is eighty cents. Right, retails one ninety nine. Mm-hmm. You have to sell an awful lot of those to make a living for two families. Right. So we added on race cars and train spoons and bowls and kept trying to grow. And then we got into hair accessories and importing. And um, one thing led to another. But I think to your to your question, all those experiences helped create the handy paint pail. Sometimes people look at us and me and what we've done with handy paint products and think that was easy, but it was a lot of uh, bumps in the road getting there. Yeah. And I don't think anyone who listens to this program is they're in your camp. They're like, wow, nothing happens overnight. And all these experiences add up to your cumulative knowledge about how to do something, right? Exactly. Exactly. And that goes to your point. So I'd already patented, uh, Several products. So when the when the coffee can and the duct tape was established, 
I could simply go down to the patent attorney that I'd used many times and say, what do you think about this? Yeah. So uh, a lot of people don't know even where to start. My husband has a couple patents, and it's not an easy process. But once you've done the process, then you kind of know what that looks like for future. Mm -hmm. So your family says, okay, this can't. And by now, a lot of people come to this show, and they're really weighing, you know, taking the financial risk of quitting their jobs and how you're going to get medical insurance. And it sounds like at this point, you already had a lot of those irons figured out. Pretty much. Okay. So you're going to continue to be an entrepreneur. You're serial. You've had two successful products that you've launched. This is going to be the third. When you, did you know anything about, and are the spaces different? Like when you're selling an airplane spoon to a kid's store, is that different than trying to sell something at Lowe's or uh, Home Depot? That, that's a, a good question. And in a lot of ways, no. It's uh, okay. It has to have appeal. It has to be priced right. And ultimately, it needs to sell. And um, one of the biggest things we've all learned through going through this process is a lot of people think if you just get an item placed in Home Depot, doesn't matter what it is, it'll sell and you'll become rich. Yeah. It's not that easy. And um, the other thing that's surprising is just the location in a store is incredibly valuable. Yep. The closer we are in a Home Depot, for an example, or Lowe's or wherever... The closer we are to the paint desk, to the cash register, to right in the front, um, sales can double or triple just because of the visibility. And in what a lot of people don't know is in a store, there are slotting fees and you pay marketing monies to have those spots. When you were first placed in that exclusive spot and you were weighing the risk, because I'm sure it costs quite a pretty penny to do it. Did you know right away that it that was where you needed to be and it was worth the money, or did you like wring your hands it, over the decision? It's different than I, I've never been in grocery. We've sold to almost everyone else, but never really been in grocery. I know slotting fees are there. Yep. There's really at, at the at the big home centers not really a, there's marketing fee, fees and things that they take off invoice, mm-hmm. but there's no upfront money that you oh, have that's to pay interesting. to get placement. Yeah. And some will do tests and. Um, I know it's interesting. I I heard you ask on another podcast about, do uh, you remember getting the first check? Yes. And um, because they're from Minnesota, I've got to throw the plug. It was Hirschfields. And the very first customer I ever had, I went down there and they had 28 stores, I think, at the time. And, and the buyer said, looked at the handy paint pail and looked at me and said, I'll put a case of 12 in each store. And I still have a copy of the check. It's in my stuff on my desk for $1,200. They were the first people to ever buy and ever send us a check. And that felt significant. Felt significant. Yeah. And not, not well, even more importantly than that is they've been a customer ever since. Did so, you sell it yourself? Did you go in? Myself. and? Yeah. yeah, I was all by myself. And at this point, you're going door to door to business to business to yes. sell these. Even yes. though you'd had a relationship with distributors and the other products. You, brand new. This, yeah, brand new territory. And were you always good in sales? Because for a lot of people, inventors doesn't go along with sales. They might be creative or they might have the vision, but not actually to get it going. Uh, I, I guess so. Sales. Has so you have the come... whole package. That's unique. Yeah, and people have said that's a little unusual. It is. And I'll take that as a, as a compliment because um, you're exactly right. Some people can create products, but they have no idea what to do with them. Mm-hmm. And in some ways, looking at it, I mean, in some ways it sells itself. It's pretty easy to figure out what this is, how you would use it. 
Um, was there, so you get Handy Paint Pal and you're going, you start out in Minnesota where people in Minnesota are pretty quick to adopt it? Yes. Yep. And then you expand, I'm assuming. Exactly. And how long were you selling Handy Paint Pale before you started making other products? Because that's always an interesting time, too. Everybody gets really excited about line extensions, and sometimes they can get extended too fast. You are right. Um, I, I learned early on that you need to keep creating products. You can't just sit on a so-called home run and um, hope hope that's going to be uh, the end all. So... The thing we learned early on is listening, especially to the professional painters as well as the DIYers out there with what they liked about the pail, what could it be improved, what could be changed. Did you do focus groups or did you did just not. know painters? Did not. Uh, just uh, met them and um, talked with them in the stores. Uh-huh. But uh, the first thing they asked about is we designed the pail to be easy to clean. The polypropylene, the material is designed to be easy to clean. Liners were not even on the radar. Mm -hmm. But over and over again, we heard, especially from the contractors, that uh, liners would be a a huge add-on, just like liners in your standard paint trays. Yep. So uh, without any uh, holdback on our part, we figured out how how will we pay for the tooling and create the liners, and they were a smash hit from from the get-go. Because it makes it so much easier. It makes it so much easier. Yeah. So it was interesting too. I, I had a, I've got a relationship now with the guy that used to be at Procter and Gamble, and he went out to lunch several times. And he said, "You know what you have here in Procter and Gamble's world? They call this uh, it's either a beauty or a beast with a new product. Mm-hmm. And what you've got is a beauty because the retail's less than ten dollars. It appeals to the masses: men, women, contractors, do-it-yourselfers, and then you've got the consumable." With the liners. Mm-hmm. And that's what creates a, a great product. Yeah, so you've kind of got a full circle. Yeah, which we had no idea when we started. When you sold it into some stores and you start going around, did you do any marketing or was it really just people had to see it in the store? Did you demo it? Um, didn't really demo it. We spent money early on in trade publications uh-huh. with just pictures that were going out basically to hit the contractors. Yep. And um, in those days, it was money we didn't have, but probably well spent. Um, oh, really? Yeah. Yep. Yep. And when you uh, think about your marketing now and your sales now, do you have a sales team or do you it's, still handle it all yourself? No, I, I'm, uh, I've been lucky enough to find a guy that I've worked with now for more than 12 years that took over being president two and a half years ago. Mm-hmm. So um, so you get to be the face. I get to be the face. And um, I'm not around nearly as much as I used to be. He does almost everything. And um, we work on new products together. That's where I hope to be able to continue to bring value. Yep. And um, But other than that, it's, it's just myself and eight others, and everything else is subbed out for manufacturing mm-hmm. and all made in Minnesota and Wisconsin. So you've sold over 20 million handy paint products, not just the pail, and you're still keeping the manufacturing in Minnesota and Wisconsin. Yeah. Is that conscientious on your part? Yeah, we we have uh, had a relationship with uh, a Chinese manufacturer, and we do have tools there that are now building seven of our items mm-hmm. and shipping to all of our uh, other global distributors. So 
in Europe, uh, Japan, Australia. So rather than coming from here, it got to be too expensive by sure. the time it got to the shelves. Yep. So um, we don't have any Chinese product coming here, but um, if sometime we needed to, I wouldn't. I wouldn't enjoy doing it, but um, I love the fact that it's all right here in the state. Yeah, and I and think, Wisconsin. Yeah. And do you go and see things coming off the line still? Is that a yeah. that must be kind of thrilling? It it is kind of thrilling, especially with the new product. You know, mm-hmm. it's the birth of another baby, and let's see where this goes. Because you never know; you may love the product, the buyers may love the product, and for whatever reason, it doesn't really sell. Have we, you had one like that? We've had we've had several like that. Tell me, give me an example of one. Um, we came up with two new sizes of grids. Uh, they snap into buckets, so they're used with rollers, whether it's a 9-inch roller or a 4- or 6-inch roller. And it's a fantastic product, but people just wanted to use the old metal ones. And even though it was priced competitively, whether they didn't get it or whatever, um, it didn't go anywhere. Just didn't work. How yep. long do you give a product before you're like, well, this was a good effort, but it, we need to move on? You know, uh, Another good question, because when we came out with the grids, we had good placement. It was in the stores. Mm -hmm. We were in the stores. We were promoting it. We were talking to painters. We were getting feedback, and it just didn't gain any traction. So uh, I would say after a year going to the second year, really, I, I had to kind of fight the sales team a little bit, saying, hey, we need to spend our time on something else. We've done everything we can with this. We need to move on Mm -hmm. and go on to the next new product. At Farmers Insurance, we know the sound of a perfect hot air balloon landing. And a less than perfect one. Seen it? Covered it. Click for more. We are farmers. Bum, 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 bum. Underwritten by Farmers Truck Fire Insurance, Exchanges and Affiliates. Products not available in every state. We're talking with Mark Bergman from Handy Paint Products, and he developed the Handy Paint Pail. Um... What is a product that you invented in the line that you just were like, I guess you already told me, the liners. Like, wow, yeah. who knew? And this has been just amazing. Yep. Another one is the uh, Handy Paint Pail's little brother, the Handy <laughs> Paint Cup. And um, there were several others like this in the market, so it wasn't like we were breaking new ground. But um, I looked at it for probably two years and thought, why don't we? Take some of this business. We can make a better product, price it better, and it can fall into our family. Mm-hmm. And um, that's exactly what happened. That's our num- that's our number one selling SKU. Really? Yep. Yep. And it's similar to the pail, but it's smaller. It's more of a instead of a full fledged handle, it's more of a spout, I guess, kind yeah. of yeah. situation. It's a three to four dollar retail item. It's got the magnet, which people love for the holding the brush. But, um, yeah, it's been a, a surprise, and it continues to just be the number one item for us. In terms of marketing, at this point, does it market itself when it's in the store, or do you still spend money? Do you have a fancy website? Do you do social media? All the above. Uh, All really? All the above, yeah. It's been interesting because um, sales continue to grow, even though the, the pale has um, been selling now for 16 years Last year, 17, we we sold uh, more pails than we ever had before. So you think you'd reach a point of saturation, but um, we haven't. So whether it's social media that's helped driving that, mm-hmm. just getting it in front of more people, um, 
it's just an interesting process. Do you like social media? Do you get involved in any of it? Me or personally? Yeah. No. So when someone came to you in your company of the eight of you and yes. said, look, Mark, we really need to invest in Facebook. Yep. Were you like, what are you talking about? No, on board completely. But it's just not. It's it's not. In your day to day. Exactly. That's interesting, though, because I think um, people of a certain age, sorry, were there. Yeah. Um, it takes sometimes a while to convince the entrepreneur not to try the new things, but to invest in them at the level that maybe is required when you have all these other forces coming to bear. You know, you mm-hmm. are paying commissions, you're trying to be in the stores, you're doing demos. Social media is something that people have been kind of slow to adopt. Absolutely. So I'm impressed yep. that you were just like, yep, sure. Yeah, and, let's And you do can't that. always know how effective it is. No, you can't. And it's not necessarily a complete one-to-one return on investment. Right. So right. you're... Uh, trying to reach different markets in a new way. You've done some interesting things um, promotionally. I kind of keyed in on that you have this film festival that people are encouraged to make films with your products and then submit them into a film festival. That's very cool and kind of unusual for a paint pale company, which yep. seems sort of, I don't know, um, I don't know what the right word is, maybe not as inspired in the marketing sense, right? Right. Um, what other kinds of things have you done that have been fun? Um, that has been fun. Uh, Jeff given the president came up with that. That was his brainchild seven years ago. And, um, he's real good at driving us as a, as a family. And, and you know, that I've got two kids and a daughter-in-law that, that work with me. So, um, Excuse Jeff's, me. Jeff's really good at, at, uh, keeping us together. And, and in fact, this year has started. So he's put us on a 60 day program of figuring out uh, two new personal, personal goals. We'd like to hit two new business goals and one charity. We want to help. We try to pick um, as many charities as we can throughout the year. So um, we, we don't, we don't lose sight of how lucky we've been to, to work where we do and, and, um, and continue to hopefully grow. Did you set goals when you were an entrepreneur on your own before Jeff came along? Uh, yes. Tell me about yeah. that. How did you do well, it? Well, it was it was the book Think and Grow Rich by Napoleon Hill. Sure. That was on my nightstand for years and years, even back in the IDS days. And my wife would look to me, look at me, and say, "How many times are you going to read that thing?" Well, um, I, I probably the most important book I've I've ever read. And it drove me to write things down. What do you want to have happen in the next three months, 12 months, three years, whatever it is. And then you check them off and move on to the next one. And um, I think that's vital for for everyone. Did you do it every year, like at New Year's or? Not so much New Year's particularly, but, um, you know, whether it was, you know, paying for a kid's college or we need a new car or whatever it was. It, it was a moving target all the time. Did you break it down? Because I do this, uh, which is really, uh, I'm smiling when you're telling me this because I made my family do it too. We had the one month, three month, six month, 12 month, uh, three year, five year, and 10 year. And it's fascinating to look back over the years at how many of these goals we've accomplished. Do you think it's that, you know, you're putting into motion the intention of the goal or do you think it's that you're thinking about it so you're breaking down into steps even if it's unconsciously? I I think so. And I'm a I'm a huge believer in write it down 
and keep it in a place you can see it. Mm-hmm. Because for whatever reason, it, it seems to make you more accountable rather than just something in your head that you know, I'd like to make a million dollars. Yeah. Good for you. And it's kind of esoteric if you're a million dollars. How are you going to get there? What are you going to do? Right. What things do you need to accomplish before you get there? Mm-hmm. Um, so that's really interesting. Do your kids do goal setting now? They, they do. Well, they, they have to to make Jeff happy. Because so. <laughs> all your kids, are they all working in the business for President well, Jeff? two out of the four. Okay. Two out of the four. The other two are, are uh, in college and looking for work. So yeah. we'll see what happens. Now, let me ask you about that. So you have two kids working in the business. Were they allowed to come right from college and work in the business? Or do you, as in terms of a family business and perhaps creating a secession plan, do you believe that it's important for people in your family to work other places before working for the family business? Do you have any I, thoughts on that? I do. I think um, for a lot of people to work somewhere else first is great. It works. But um, these these two kids had been around me and the business ever since they were little. Mm-hmm. They packed boxes. They 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 knew what was going on. Mm-hmm. So for them to start right after college, both Gusties, um, it was, I approached it that here's the job description. We'd love to have you. And I talked to everyone that was working with me at the time to make sure it was okay. Mm-hmm. And they'll said, oh yeah, we'd love to have them. So um, made the job description, said, maybe you'll stay a year. Maybe you'll realize you want to go back to school. Maybe you'll realize that you really uh, love a certain area that you want to gain expertise and go work somewhere else. Mm-hmm. That's fine. But um, we'd love to have you if you want to start. Well, it's been uh, 12 years for my son and nine for my daughter. And daughter-in-law has been there four years. Okay. So it really has become yeah. somewhat of a family business. Yep. Does Jeff, the goal-driving president, have any children in the business? <laughs> he he does not. Okay. He does not. And he's enough older than them that... Um, like I said, we're we're a tight knit group. They they love them like family. Yeah, it sure sounds like it. Um, can you tell me? Uh, have there ever been times where you've worried about money? You're trying to make payroll in the beginning. Was there ever a time where you really had to put it on the line? I can't even count the times. Over and over and over. Like you know, everybody. And when when you got into a time like that, how would you get out of it? Would it's just more hard work, more strategic, more talking with the wife, putting more in sometimes to get um, more out? A lot of times we didn't have any more to put in. So it was going uh, outside to whether it was uh, a friend or people that could um, help pool money to, to help us get, a, get us over a hump at certain mm-hmm. periods of time. Help us build a tool that we needed at the time. Mm-hmm. Um, Do you remember having to ask people for money? Oh, absolutely. And was it hard? Um, it's not something that most people like to do. Yes, particularly people you know or colleagues. Especially, it's... but I, I felt completely confident that they would get their money back, which they did. That How, how did you have that confidence? Um, I just guess I was born that way. I don't know. I just knew I could sell enough to to pay them back. But you just didn't have the money to put it in to exactly. start it. Yeah. Exactly. That's really interesting. And you get into situations where uh, you're maxed out at the bank and they're looking at you in the hard times when banks were going through hard times. Like, we, we don't have any more. You can't. Yep. You Extend can't any more credit. Yes. Yeah. Did you put stuff on credit cards and? Uh, through the business to a degree, but mm-hmm. not, cra- not, not crazy that way. Did you did your wife work outside of the home or um no not since our son was born 34 years ago 
Okay, so you were the sole breadwinner, yep. and was there ever times where she was just looking at you like, uh, okay, entrepreneur, <laughs> or did she always yeah. have 100% faith? You know, that I've never asked her that, so that's a good question. Um, I would think you kn- would know. Yeah, I, I she think she like, believed that she believed it, it, it could happen. She's and a better it, wife than me, I'll tell you that. Yeah. I was looking at my entrepreneur husband thinking, are you nuts? Yeah. You know, we're $40,000 in on this credit card, and- you're just still going for broke here, and he was like, "I just know it's going to happen." Yeah, her uh, her parents, my my dear in laws, helped. My parents helped. Mm-hmm. You know, throughout all the years, sure. it's been going on since '86. Sure. So, um, it, it's it's it can be a struggle. So let's talk about. Um, I'm going to tell you a story, and I think this is you, but it could be Jeff, and it could even be one of your kids. I don't know. Someone said. I, I don't even know who I was talking to. I said, oh, yeah, I'm going to interview this guy, you know, Handy Pale. They're pretty successful. She goes, yeah, isn't that the guy that goes to these, like, networking groups or he gives networking groups these buckets and they put money in the bucket and then, like, at the end of the meeting, somebody gets the money in the bucket to give to the charity of their choice. Is that you? Do you know what that, I'm talking about? I do know what you're talking about. Yeah, it's uh, it's a good friend of mine, Paul Botts, has Good leadership enterprises mm-hmm. and does um, seven breakfast meetings a year. They're at Golden Valley Country Club now. He gets amazing speakers. There's over 200 people there, and always a wonderful message about leadership and and just uh, doing doing the best you can. And um, I was at his very first meeting. I think it was seven years ago when. Um, we had talked about putting the pails out there as the bucket of goodwill. Yeah. That's what he calls it at the breakfast. It's not the handy paint pail. It's the bucket of goodwill. And um, I said, well, I'll match whatever um, goes in there. Just, well, it's been going on now since. Sure. For seven years. So it's been wonderful. And we keep a list of um, all the various charities where the donation has gone. And I think almost every one has been a Minnesota charity and mm-hmm. charities that we would not be aware of other than this breakfast. Yeah. So, so that's funny. The great. bucket of goodwill the is bucket you. bucket of goodwill. Yeah. Um, you talk about charity and giving money to charity and trying to do good works. Do you think you're trying to pay it back? I I, I do. In fact, um, I remember being in, in China before we had actually launched the pail, but it was in the works, and going through the orphanages and, and seeing what's going on. My wife and I talked said, if this thing becomes successful, we'll do good things with it. And um, I, you can always do more, but um, it, it's it's on the top of our list as a, for me personally, my wife, and and the family as well. That's really nice. I it's fun to talk to someone that you realize you've had good fortune and that you're able to spread that around. Um, do you still like read business books and listen to podcasts or what are you thinking I, about in the next five years? Yeah, I do. I, I, I love the, the uh, podcasts and, um, are there any that you like that you'd want to recommend? Um, how I built this, mm-hmm. uh, is probably the one I listen to most and now yours since I was Thank turned you. on to you by uh, Jeff. Um, but yeah, the the stories of these guys are just um, just amazing. Whether it's Richard Branson or yes. someone you've never heard of, yes. Um, for me, that's what drives me and, and keeps me going. And um, who knows what we'll come up with next? And Do you we think say, you'll retire? 
well, I'm, I honestly am kind of semi-retired sure. right now. I, I don't go in every day, but um, business is on my mind all the time, and um, they all know that. And I wonder if not being there every day almost clears the decks in your mind to think about things in a different way that maybe fuels the innovation of the creativity that you have. I like to think so. Like, <laughs> yeah. When you're sitting in a fishing sitting boat. Sitting on the dock. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> are you a lake person? We are. we got a place up in uh, Wisconsin. Okay. Where in Wisconsin? Closest town people know about is Spooner. Yeah, sure. Other, otherwise, between Webster and Spooner. Yeah, sure. I have a place up in Ely. And um, lake culture, obviously, is kind of a important Minnesota, Wisconsin. Do you spend a lot of time with the family there? Or? All the time. as much, And they all love it, so as yeah. much time as we can. That's excellent. So um, as we move forward and as we think about what's next, are there any words of advice you would give any entrepreneurs that are listening right. to you and looking at you? I mean, you you're, have a $15 million company. That's pretty amazing. Yeah, I... I think, and I've said this from the beginning, even this was in going back to sales, um, the fact that if you're really going out there and you're selling something, whether it's a product or a service, you need to believe in it absolutely 110% if you're going to make it successful, in my opinion, because you can't be out there trying to sell something if um, you don't believe in it. Mm -hmm. And I've been lucky enough that everything I've been selling for the last whatever... um, I believed in. Is there, um, with uh, 3D printing, has that been interesting to you at all in terms of making prototypes? And Absolutely. When I look at the airplane spoon, um, I can't remember exactly what the first prototype cost, but it was probably you know, three or $4,000. Yeah. And now, you know, you can have a prototype for 300 bucks. And do you do tomorrow that? Tomorrow morning, all the time. Yeah. Yep. Yeah, we have great designers right here locally mm-hmm. that we've worked with for almost 20 years. So, um yeah, we have a great group of manufacturers, patent attorney. The whole, everything we need is right here. That's so cool. Well, it's been my pleasure to talk to you. Thank you for being on the program. I'm sure your story will be very inspiring to the next person. Is there a space that you think, wow, if I had to do this all over again, I would get into that space because I see there's huge opportunity there? You know, nothing nothing pops out Yeah. right now. So I, I love to, you seem extremely content I I appreciate that. Uh, you just seem like you're really proud of what you've done. You've set up a good business for your family. You're providing for people, your community. You're able to give back. I mean, not to sit here and tell you how great you are, but you're pretty great. That's an amazing story, and um, I hope that everybody gets the chance to have that feeling. I've had that feeling, and it doesn't come easy, and there's a lot of tears and hard work and all of that yucky stuff that happens. But when you get to the other side and you look at the totality of your life and you think, wow, I, I did what I wanted to do and I'm pretty happy about the way that it went down and I hope I can help someone else get there now. Absolutely. Yeah, that's real cool. Yep. All right, thanks. Thank you for having me. At Farmers Insurance, we know every windshield collision has a unique sound. Beetle. Bird poop. Drone. Seen it? Covered it. Click for more. We are farmers. Bum, 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 bum. Underwritten by Farmers Truck Fire Insurance, Exchanges and Affiliates. Products not available in every state. I'm Rita Foley with an AP News Minute. An F-16 pilot having hydraulic problems with his aircraft managed to parachute to safety as the plane smashed into a warehouse east of Los Angeles. Fire Captain Fernando Herrera. That pilot landed in the uh, March Air Force Base area. And, and what's in the base, base itself. 
Amazingly, there were no serious injuries after the plane hit the building. Alabama executed a man last night for his role in killing four people after an argument over a pickup truck. Tennessee executed a man who killed his wife. Reporters couldn't see the execution, but AP correspondent Travis Lawler says... We could hear sounds, uh, including a singing that uh, uh, Mr. Johnson's attorney says was him singing a hymn. Answering a reporter's question, President Trump said he hopes the U.S. is not on a path to war with Iran. Mr. Trump has dismissed suggestions that any of his advisors are trying to push him into a conflict. I'm Rita Foley.